and welcome to episode 26 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I am one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. Ed, you doing all right? Yeah, great. Thanks, Ben. Um, first time I'm seeing you in the office in 18 months. So yeah, first time I'm seeing any person in 18 months. So yeah, I know. Um, Great day. Um, but yeah, obviously excited for another episode of Rank Up, but a new topic as I think we're to recover, trying to cover as much topics as possible yet, but definitely a new topic, but I think probably one of the most important ones yet, to be honest. So yeah, really to, can't wait to yeah, jump into this, to, to this topic. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. We'll we'll come on to the topic shortly. And it's worth saying as well, Ed and I are in the office together, but because of the uh, limitations of Google Meet recording uh, and the, the setup we have available to us here, we are in the office, but in separate rooms on separate calls, <laughs> recording <laughs> as if we were both working remotely. So in that sense, nothing has changed. We just hopefully have slightly more reliable internet, but we'll see. Um, we are also joined today by uh, Ryan Durrani, who is a freelance SEO consultant with experience, both agency side and in-house, as we will hear from Ryan shortly. Um, Ryan, are you doing all right? It's good to have you. It's really good to be here. Um, I'm doing well. I've had uh, only one coffee this morning, so I'm coping quite well on a Thursday morning. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm fresh and full of energy and, and excited to get stuck into this. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Um, and we, we need that energy because it is, it's a big topic today, <laughs> which we've teased, um, but I will now sort of introduce properly. Um, and Ryan, really, this, this topic came about, as we'll see um, from, from you putting out a tweet uh, a little while ago, actually, saying that you were interested in talking in sort of public platforms like this about uh, mental health in the SEO industry, mm -hmm. um, which I, I think is something that, you know, has always been important, but has probably reached a new level of prominence over the course of the pandemic. Uh, and certainly the conversation seems to have gained in volume, um, which can only be a good thing. But, you know, there has been a, a very real side to that where there have been more struggles as well during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I think we all just feel we, we feel we want this to be in this conversation to be in a more public space uh, and hopefully to encourage more conversations like this in the future. Um, and really, if if that's what we achieve with this episode, if we get a few more people talking about it, then uh, I think we'll be happy. Um, but before we get into all of that, but we just want to give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself properly to the audience uh, so that we can hear who you are and, and a bit about kind of what you do in the in the SEO industry. So um, how did you get to where you are today? And, and what is it that kind of your current situation involves now? Um, well, that's looking back on a the timeline there. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the kind of first introduction I had into anything digital marketing related was the Google Squared course. Um, right. This was back in 2014, 2015. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't SEO specific by any means, but it gave me like an insight into how businesses cope online digitally. So yeah. I took an interest um, from there. I kind of did that course while I was employed in house at, at a, uh, I think it was an insurance company at the time. And initially it was very much, OK, so you've done this course. Um, let's do some paid advertising. Yeah. I was doing that for a year mm -hmm. or so. And then kind of during that time, I was like, you know, this is kind of getting, I don't mean to, I, it wasn't challenging. You know, I was learning very quickly at the time because back then it was, it was, it was quite easy to learn these things. Yeah. Um, 
and I was like, I need a different challenge. And I wanted to stay within that realm. So I, I dipped my toe into the water of SEO. I knew nothing about it. I kind of like blagged my way into the position in yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> Fake it till you make it type of deal. Absolutely. And I could, I fell completely in love with it. I was utterly obsessed. And just through pure obsession, I learned as much as I humanly could <laughs> within, you know, six to 12 months. Yeah. And then that allowed me to move into an agency, quite a, quite a well-known agency. And then within the agency, you get promoted quite quickly, uh, stayed there for two and a half years. And then I thought, you know what? I enjoy doing this for, you know, businesses and, and I love what I do. Let me see if I can do it by myself. Yeah. And I started my consultancy back in September 2020. And it's awesome. been a complete whirlwind ever since. So nice. you started, well, just getting my dates right, because as we all know, time is difficult right now. So you started during the pandemic. Your, your <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, well, I mean, what was that like? Was, was there sort of, uh, were there any challenges or was it actually quite natural because everything was already remote? Yeah, I'd been working at home since uh, February of that year. So in terms of being alone and working alone, I was completely used to it. Yeah. And I knew because of how the pandemic was going that businesses were starting to kind of ramp up their interest in moving online. So I thought, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll give myself six months. If it doesn't work, that it doesn't matter. At least I tried. Yeah. And to be honest, the, the whole pandemic thing didn't really deter me that much. So I was quite lucky in that regard. I would just thought this will work. Yeah. And if it doesn't, what's the worst that can happen? That's uh, that's it. So that's super interesting because I think initially when going into that March, April time, there was a bit of hesitancy, I guess, from potential websites and things like that. But it felt afterwards, like a month after, that demand then should suddenly spike. So I imagine it was a, a little bit of a, a wave to begin with, right? But then I guess for moving past that, you saw demand soar up towards the latter months where, you know, every kind of website needed some kind of online visibility or at least some appearance to their business to, in those latter months following the, you know, the lockdowns and things like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and, it was really interesting to see a lot of the smaller businesses that wouldn't have, you know, potentially even thought about moving online, all of a sudden start to reach out. They've obviously heard about SEO. They wanted to know what it is, how it can help them. Um, and I would say towards kind of the November, December time, that's when it started to really pick up yeah, for me. Yeah. And leading into January of, of this year was still very, very busy. And I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, similar thing in-house at the agency. Yeah. Um, businesses just want to be seen online as much as they can because they know that if anything was to happen again they've kind of protected themselves a little bit um mm, yeah. there isn't that reliance on brick and mortar presence anymore yeah yeah well, and i think we've, i think we've discussed it on the podcast as well and i was referring to my parents is that i think during the pandemic what it led to is so more so many more demographics going online. Like my parents never used to go do online shopping or browse online for services or anything like that. Whereas during that, they, they learned about it and they got more acquainted towards that, that process. So automatically the search demand just soared. So you've automatically got more audiences out there searching for you and things like that. So I think that was a, a key area that I saw is that typically the audiences that wouldn't have purchased or browsed or inquired online started doing it from, you know, during that lockdown situation and because they are now familiar with it then there's just that the audience is still remained post-pandemic well with restrictions easing and things like that yeah no i agree i, I i've saw i've seen that too 
um, you know, like Nans being online a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they've jumped from Facebook to figuring out how Google can, you know, <laughs> they're getting around Google a little bit more. So it's uh, it's definitely a nice shift. Yeah. And it's clearly working because you said you were going to stick it out for six months. And by my calculations, we're now more than six months on from when yeah. you started. So it's going all right then. It's it's going very well. I'm very happy with the progress. Um, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed learning a lot. I've enjoyed mm. moving the business to where it is. So it's been a it's been a fun nearly year. Yeah. And I I'm gonna sort of segue into the topic now with with a question that I did not prepare, which I occasionally do. So I'm sorry about that, Ryan, because <laughs> I did send you some in advance and this is not one of them. But just you saying that has made me think like has uh, for you personally, sort of has there been a noticeable difference kind of um, in your own sort of attitude towards work and towards SEO with being set up on your own freelancing as opposed to the previous environments that you've worked in? The biggest difference I found by just kind of managing this myself and not being responsible to, you know, an agency or, or, or an in-house role is that I purposely make sure that I have time to learn consistently yeah. Um, you know, my approach was very much when I was in the agency or, or in-house is that I would I would kind of try to learn as much as I could. But because I had so much work to do and, you know, at 5.30 p.m., you're like, I just I can't be asked yeah. in the evening to, to, to start learning more stuff. Absolutely. Um, my approach is very much now I will make sure that I always have time to learn either something to do with SEO or something to do with running the business so that I'm never complacent and it, because I think once you become stagnant, that's when the passion dies off. Yeah. And if you stop learning and stop getting creative of what you're doing, you'll stop loving what you do. So that's one big thing I've made sure I've, I've pushed into my business. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And this, this will start to lead into our main topic now, kind of the, the reason we, we kind of first saw you, as I mentioned before, was that tweet that you, you put out about wanting to talk about this and, um keen to make sure we have time to to go into all the different questions we've got so um i just want to start by asking you uh, this was a topic that you sort of raised independently just put out there on your own twitter so why why was mental health in seo uh, a topic that you felt passionate enough about to uh to start to put yourself out there and see if there were opportunities to talk about it more um i think for me personally, it's just been something I've been very passionate about and, and personally affected by for a long, long time. Mm. And in the early stages of trying to manage and understand mental health as a whole, I found that being able to feel comfortable enough to talk about it actually helped me a lot. And, yeah. you know, initially it was very much, I just talked to my friends, talked to my family. And then I thought, I'll open it up to uh, initially at the time I was on Twitter, just kind of engaging with people and, and learning about their experiences. Yeah. And it's something in SEO that I didn't see a lot of from the very start. People would kind of, they would touch on it a little bit, but then it was, I don't know if it was just uncomfortable or anxiousness about being fully open and honest about it. Yeah. And I'm all, I'm not afraid of doing that kind of thing because I'm so used to doing it now because I've learned to manage my anxiety quite well i'm not saying i'm you know completely in control of it all the time but i wanted to people to feel open and comfortable enough so if i can do it and you know i'm not afraid of doing it then it might kind of propel people to do the same thing yeah yeah that's awesome and within the seo industry is it you know is it is it a conversation that you think has kind of a 
a relevance to SEO beyond, I suppose, beyond its sort of obvious importance to everyday life? Uh, is it something that you think is particularly important for us to be talking about in this industry? Absolutely. The, the thing that I found the most when I first joined the industry is that there's so many smart people yeah. that know a lot more than you do. And it almost feels intimidating. And when I first started to kind of be you know, public about what I was doing in the industry, I always felt this kind of element of imposter syndrome. Yeah. And that was definitely common in the agency that I worked at. People always felt like, is this the right thing because the goalposts have moved or because you've got five years more experience than me, so I'm worried what I'm doing is wrong? It, it just led me to believe that, okay, so the pressures of SEO are, you know, it's everyday life. Everyone has a job. Everyone has their own pressures. Yeah. But I think because of how quick this industry moves and how talented some of the people are in this industry, it can sometimes feel like you're behind. Yeah. Um, and it can become overwhelming over time if you're not confident enough to kind of speak out and just say, I need help. I've put my hand up now. Can you please just kind of give me a little bit of time to to speak through or learn through some of this stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what you say about imposter syndrome rings rings incredibly true as well. And uh, I've seen... I've, I've seen that sort of at all levels. It's definitely experienced it myself. Um, just working at an agency for a while as I have been um, with people coming in often not from SEO backgrounds at the most junior level, like you yourself said, Ryan, you just kind of fell into it and sort of, you know, you fake it till you make it. And, it, you know, SEO is not something that most people, when they get their first job in SEO, you, you know, it's not something you've necessarily had any experience of before. Mm -hmm. Um but we are all in that boat, but there always seems to be, I think, the perception that, you know, there are people out there who are more successful, who know more, who kind of have it all together. And, you know, it always feels like you're somewhere behind them. It, even even after being in the industry for several years, I think that still rings true. Um, and Ed, I'm interested to get your perspective as well as also having quite a long career uh, in SEO now. Um, what, what's been your experience, if any? Have you seen sort of conversations about mental health emerging in the industry? Have you, uh, you know, have you been aware of this kind of thing or is it, do you think it's more of a recent phenomenon that it's something we're waking up to? I think it's definitely more recent. Um, you know, in my being in it over 10 years, I think, you know, initially, um, obviously at the start, wasn't really touched upon, but wasn't, again, obviously really touched upon in society. Definitely yeah. I've noticed more of a, an open discussion about it most recently but that's still I think small and especially in comparison in comparison to some industries but I think as, as Ryan mentioned there in terms of like I guess the pressure to learn and and I understand with an SEA there's no like defined process right because yeah. it's that typical question of it depends so it's <laughs> everything's so open and it's like some things work for a website, some things don't. And it's like having to kind of really identify it. And this, like I said, there's no like rules, essentially. There's best practices, yes, but sometimes, you know, it's it's little things that work and, and some things that you wouldn't even expect that work. So there's no like defined process. But I also think it's the typical SEO never sleeps. And it, it happens to me all the while as well, where it's a performance-driven, um, you know, industry. So yeah. therefore... Your, I think early on, especially, and, and especially when you're getting more senior, 
you're obsessed with performance and you're obsessed with clients that you'll work on, the business that you're working from. So even at weekends, you might, you know, check the rankings or you may check the traffic and stuff like that. And yeah. and, and, and when Google's tweeted algorithm updates at 9 p.m. on a Friday night or something like that, it's obviously going <laughs> to change your weekend. Yeah, it's going to change your weekend a little bit. So I think that's, it's in a, if anything, I think it's, it's, it's more important than what, maybe not the right wing, but it needs to be highlighted in the SEO industry just because of these unknowns, because of the fluctuations, because of the algorithm updates, because of the, the variety of experience. So I think most recently I've been more aware of it, obviously due to the pandemic, because, you know, as someone with 10 years, I, I get imposter, imposter syndrome because there's people who've been doing it for 20 years and, yeah. and know way more than me. So I think it's important for anyone to realise that that imposter syndrome is is probably it probably impacts everyone to a certain degree but i also think like with that awareness of that you know i guess the pressure of results and performance stuff like that it, it is hard to kind of take it all in one go because you are expected to drive organic traffic and drive revenue and things like that and ultimately it's you can't control that and it's something and it's something that you can never control and i think yeah. everyone just needs to be i guess aware of that and then and, and handle it in the, the healthiest way possible. Like, there's only so much you can do. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see, hear your thoughts about that, Ryan. It's obviously with like a, from a, I guess, a more of a freelance consultant approach to, I guess, the impact of like that unknown of performance and volatility and stuff. I, I imagine that's a, a big degree as why mental health can be, you know, so important within the SEO industry, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you are running the business and you're a consultant you don't have that layer of you know people that a client might go through before they speak to an seo i mean mm. i don't i can't speak for every agency in the world but i know typically people will have an account manager or they'll have somebody they can can communicate with and it's nice to have that support when you work within a business that is one thing agency roles and in-house roles they do give you is that that additional support yeah. When you're face to face with a client all of the time, and especially when you're working with businesses that are, you know, smaller, smaller budgets, and you're dealing directly with the owner of the business, and that's coming out of his pocket, you can sometimes sometimes take that, you know, pressure on too much. Um, yeah. You know, we we are ultimately at the hands of an algorithm. That's the harsh reality of it. Yes, more people know more about the algorithm than, than others, and there's are you know some staples that you can deploy. But if Google decides to pull the plug one day on something, and you've completely you know revenues dropped and traffic's dropped, that business owner is going to be looking directly at you. Yeah. So you've got to get familiar with having these conversations with people, and also realizing it's not it's not a personal attack; it's a business talking to another business. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a great a great nugget of advice just there as well. Um, because it's very easy, I think, when you when you're the one that receives the email, and we get this in in agencies as well, that we we have we do have a point of escalation, which yeah, I completely agree is um is a nice kind of buffer, I suppose. Um, but we'll still get the emails, you still get the questions in calls and stuff. And I think it's it's very easy to feel like it's you and you know something about you that is being criticized and attacked when yeah you know in reality as a business owner or or a marketing team kind of dealing with their own goals and things and they're going after that and you know the the work the work that has taken place and factors outside of your control like all of that is is kind of separate from who you are as a person but it can be very hard to 
feel that in the middle of receiving <laughs> the negative feedback or whatever it might be. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we, we've started to touch on it a little bit, but I'm keen to just talk a little bit about how um, in-house agencies and freelance kind of differ in terms of, I suppose, what the environments are like and what challenges they might present. Um, and we, we don't want to do this um, in an, it's not an exercise in kind of pointing out negatives or, or trying to make people feel worse about the places they work. Um, but, you know, if people are struggling and if people are feeling pressures, I think, from their workplace, I think it can be helpful to maybe, you know, name some of what those are, share some common experiences and kind of let people, I suppose, let people know that they're, you know, they're not alone, that there are common things that you might experience in these different environments. And, and again, as we said at the start, kind of make it possible to talk about them rather than keeping everything just kind of wrapped up in people's own private thoughts. So I suppose that's the motivation behind this. And I thought it was just worth saying that before we launch into it. Um, and we'll, we'll go with in-house first. Um, I personally have, have worked in-house, but not really when I knew any SEO and it was only part-time. I've been agency side my whole career. So I'm not the best person to talk about this, but I can ask both of you who I know have had experiences in-house to varying degrees. Um, so if we start there, what what kind of pressures are there in-house that are maybe a bit more unique to in-house and, and can be helpful to be aware of? Uh, let's start with, we'll start with you, Ryan. I realize I just threw an open question to two people. <laughs> um, I think there's there's two really standout things from an in-house perspective that you know I noticed. One is that you can sometimes feel quite siloed mm. in what you're doing, um, especially if the marketing department in that business is quite small yeah and the second thing is if you're working in a business that isn't necessarily familiar with seo and this is potentially their first time trying to employ somebody to do that role um it can sometimes feel like you're always kind of fighting uphill Mm. because you know you have to learn the language of a business which is you know how much money are we putting in and how much money are we getting out of it or even expecting to get out of this so I think when you're in-house and if it's your first role in-house, especially just learn to speak the language of the business and it will make your life so much easier. Yeah. You know, rankings and traffic and all that stuff is great to us, but potentially not so great to people that are funding your, your salary and also the budget to deliver SEO. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. Ed, is it similar for you? Have you got anything to add from your experience? Yeah, completely agree with Ryan there. So I went into a company that had it was um, five brands under Google penalties. So this is back uh, seven, eight years ago, I think it was now. Um, so ultimately a lot of pressure there, but exactly with what Ryan said is they, they ultimately don't need to know this, this level of information. Um, so I think we've re- we referenced it a few times before, but Will Critchlow's um, SEO MBA course in terms of on your Substack is a great way to present to kind of uh, stakeholders in terms of making it really simple. And I think it, if you go down that approach, it makes it a lot more digestible to people that only have five, 10 minutes of your time and then ultimately wouldn't create, you know, as much pressure on yourself. But as Ryan said there, I think because you'll feel a bit more siloed in the marketing team, especially because when I was going into that role, I was going in a, a SEO manager, first role as as the first SEO in, in that company. Again, you can't really bounce ideas off anyone, but I think more than ever, there's more online communities where you can like just kind of sense check or ask questions. I know there's um, I previously been a part of Traffic Think Tank that are great to kind of discuss with other SEOs and things like that. So I think there are a lot more 
communities out there now um, in terms of like Slack groups and stuff like that, that kind of independent SEO managers in the company can be a part of just to sense check, ask questions um, and commun- communicate with other SEOs. Because I guess that's what you're missing as part of not being in the agency. You can't mm. discuss with other SEOs or brainstorm or stuff like that. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, having these communities available to you can help you out a lot and just like make it, maybe make your life a little bit easier in that role. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good great, point. Yeah, great piece of advice because um, obviously we, I think most people are aware that Twitter's out there, but Twitter's not mm. necessarily everybody's favorite place. Um, <laughs> and I think comes with, presents, I think, a lot of challenges just on its own uh, for all its benefits as well. So knowing that there are other communities out there as well, which might be a bit more direct and a bit more obviously helpful, I think is a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go into agencies now as well, which I know is something that I'm personally a lot more comfortable with. Um, and again, something we've all had a, we've all had a fair, fair bit of experience in. So, um, what's kind of unique about agencies and we'll start again with you, Ryan. Sure. Okay. So I'll keep this as short as I can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> agency life. If you're just getting into agency life, the, the biggest change for me was the pace. So yeah coming from in-house you're focusing on one website you're focusing on one client and the chances are when you move into an agency you're going to have to learn to balance between industries and balance between people and it can sometimes feel like you're you don't have that downtime to catch your breath you know reflect on the day reflect on the week because there's always an expectation or there's always somebody waiting for something to get done Mm. and i found that very very hard early on so if anybody listening is just joining an agency or they've they've just joined an agency in the last couple of months, it does get easier. Um, You just learn to prioritize things a little bit differently as you work through that agency life. And whilst it has its own negatives of being very busy, the positive is you learn so much about the industry and so much about different types of websites that you can specialize in certain things once you have a taste for them. So for me, pace is the biggest thing that was, was difficult. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great point. How about you, Ed? What's been your experience of of, of agencies so far? Obviously, I know you are at one currently. <laughs> yeah, so spent the majority of my SEA career in an agency, and, and and like Ryan, I guess the biggest thing is that it like pro or con. It, some people may like this, uh, you know, the the working that that kind of fast paced uh, environment, but. Yeah, from day one, you kind of just act like a sponge. You just absorb all the information of industries, everyone in that team and stuff like that. So I think agency, you, you learn so much off people, you learn so much of industries and clients. I guess my my key things from that's helped me um, with agency life is organization. I've found myself, when I'm stressed out, it's because I've not organized what I need to do and stuff like that. And I think just having like some kind of setup in terms of, like a project management or like a notion board or something that organizes what you can do. And if you physically can't deliver on all those items uh, based on, you know, time restraints, then you can't do that. You shouldn't beat yourself up about it. There's only so many working hours of the day and you, yeah. you shouldn't kill yourself to, you know, there's more important things in life than work. So I, when I notice myself stressed, I just review like my like task list, my project management, what I've got on that week. And if I organize it, I feel so much better in what I can do. If I can't do all the items because of time restraints, then that's fine. That's everything I can do in that and that thing. And then the biggest thing for me is 
I was a sucker for checking emails and visibility and tracking on my phone on weekends and evenings and stuff like that. Now, since the pandemic, I've just removed that. So, you know, I may check it on my laptop, but that's an effort to go and do that. I don't need to be checking it when I'm on out on a walk and stuff like that because that just interferes with me. So, yeah, like I said, completely agree with Ryan. Like it's fast paced, but the benefits of that is that you're a sponge. But I think the key to that's helped me with an agency environment is just understanding what you can do and that's helping with like project management and what you can't do and that's you know physically not being able to fit it but like i said agency life is, can feel very 24 hours seven days a week but i think to try and mitigate that just like turn those notica- notifications off turn off your emails and stuff like that yeah yeah that's great and my, with my two cents on it as well um is i've noticed as as someone who you know i joined the joined the seo industry about five and a half years ago now and um, I remember at the time feeling like I was, we talked about it already, imposter syndrome coming in, everybody else, people like Ed at the company seem to, <laughs> seem to know everything about SEO already. Um, and it's something I still see now because uh, in my current role, I, I manage kind of graduates and more and people who have joined the company more recently. And, and something I see early in people's careers is just almost a bit of that intimidation, but also... Um, not wanting to look silly and not necessarily wanting to ask questions because they're then afraid that oh, it's a question that I should know the answer to. So mm. I'm not going to put it on chat or I'm not going to go and ask someone because I, I don't want to look silly by asking it. Um, but as someone in a more senior role at, who, who's been in the industry for a few years, like I, I, I can't think of a question that I wouldn't be happy to answer. Um, and for people in similar positions, actually, who have been maybe been around agencies for two, three years, if you're listening to this, I would say like you're in a fantastic position to be approachable and kind of make an effort to connect with people who are just starting out their journeys because like you're the sort of people that they would immediately look up to. Um, and and I find when I'm kind of helping people out, answering questions and stuff, that's when you, as someone who has a few more years experience uh, with your own feelings of imposter syndrome and and not fitting can actually feel, oh yeah, maybe... <laughs> Maybe I do know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Like, I can explain this topic. This is something I enjoy. And it can almost be a bit of reinforcement that helps you and clearly helps the person you're speaking to as well. So, yeah, I think just, like, talk to people and engage with your colleagues, especially. I think that's something in an agency that that can be a massive benefit, I think, if people are comfortable enough to do it. Um, And it's kind of like what what you touched on earlier with freelance, which we'll go into now, Ryan, with being, like, you know the big difference with freelancers you don't have those other people around so you're looking for other support networks so has has that been kind of the biggest thing with you for freelance or are there other challenges as well that you've kind of become aware of yeah i mean what ed said is is now i'm you know in this position where it is just me um online communities make a massive difference mm. so you know i've tried to engage in that as much as i can because it's always nice to stay you know close to what's happening you know, in an agency, you can ask, like you said, you can ask your colleagues and some of them might be a little bit more savvy than you are. So you pick up a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think the other thing that comes along with, you know, being by yourself is that you really do have to be self-aware. So if you're running yourself into the ground, if you're feeling tired, if you're stressed, you've got to be able to, you know, interrupt that and say, I need to switch off. Mm. And it's slightly easier, in my in my opinion, when you're in employment because obviously you can book holidays you can take sick days but yeah when you are running the business and this is something i really struggled with 
is being able to switch from being, you know, thinking like an employee and, and, and thinking like it's me who runs the business and I get to decide if I take this time off, if I don't, yeah. you know, work with this client, it's entirely in my hands. So that was really hard to get used to, but it's it's something over time. It's taken me 10 months and I've only just started to take holiday. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to now get used to the fact that if I take a day off, the world is not going to collapse. Yeah. And everything is is solvable. So within 24 hours, I'm sure if I come back tomorrow, I'll be able to address those problems just as good as if I was to do it right now. So yeah. that was one yeah. of the biggest things. Yeah, I think that's um, interesting. And I think when you start to feel a bit burnt out and tired and not focused, you you, you worry that people think are going to view as, well, not like weak, but talking about those things, you're going to see it as like a weakness, that like you can't handle it. But whereas I was certainly feeling it a few months ago where I just started the week and I couldn't focus. I, yeah. I, I couldn't do I couldn't do the basic tasks. I was just losing concentration. I was feeling very unmotivated. But then I realized that I hadn't been giving myself, you know, enough time off or relaxing or anything like that. And I think what I'm starting to see, especially in not just in the SEO industries, but other industries, companies being more like there's more like unlimited leave and stuff like that because they know that giving people more time off they're going to have that two three week break and they're going to come back more inspired more motivated and it's you know if you're expecting people to work long hours and stuff like that it's out detriment to their business and not going to do their best job so i think it's 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 getting that way and it certainly needs to you know improve a lot more but i think like it's it's good that it's heading in that direction of understanding that people need to kind of reset reconfigure you know go away be inspired by the world or just daily life and then come back to you know be inspired more by work and having that little time off having that break away from a computer device and and whatever they're focusing on i think that's something i've especially noticed in myself but also in the industry in the past two years is just making sure that i've always having that reset time to to you know go away and just enjoy life um and then come back and then and then enjoy work which is you know what i've what i have done for the past 10 years but you know recently with the pandemic and stuff like that it's obviously been a struggle for everyone and, and that's what i found quite nice as well yeah yeah we, we've started to touch on a few more practical things there but that's really where i want to bring this kind of final section of the podcast now um because we do want to leave people with some takeaways we understand that different things are going to work for different people and, and every company is going to be different as well. But um, I think it's still good to, to talk about the good things we've maybe seen or, or ideas that can help if people are feeling like they're, they're kind of struggling at the moment uh, with the caveat that we are, of course, not medical professional professionals in any way, shape or form. And obviously with, with any conversation of mental health, it is important to say that, um, you know, that there is that medical professionals are there and, you know, the medical side of things cannot uh, definitely cannot be ignored and uh, certainly shouldn't be um, shouldn't be deprioritized over anything, any kind of workplace or, or other advice that we can say on this podcast. But but with that caveat out of the way, um, are there are a few different angles I want to hit on this before we finish. But first up, uh, if we're looking at people's workplaces, so I guess this is going to apply mostly to to in-house and agency. Um, if, if we're speaking to people who are, first of all, in a position to make changes, so whether they are people in management positions, that could be of the whole business, or that could be, you know, team managers, or just a manager of one person, people who have kind of some influence on uh, the way things work for, for people other than just themselves. Um, what kind of practices would you, would you recommend putting in place to make sure that the environment is as healthy as possible for the majority of people? And I know that's very broad, so kind of 
take it however you want. But if I start with you, Ryan, uh, what, what would you say there? I think, uh, I guess Ed kind of touched on it, is being able to understand that the world itself has has changed. Yeah. And the the conversation about mental health is now becoming more prominent in these kind of months, years than it, than it used to be. So being able to understand that if people are just not feeling well and not just typically sick, but, you know, mentally drained or, or quite or low is being able to a understand that and b facilitate it so yeah. you know sometimes you can be at work and it will just hit you hard and you just need to go and you just need to take maybe 10 minutes 30 minutes and just you know recoup so it's being able to have that flexibility especially from an employer's standpoint to allow for that to happen and if people do need 10 minutes 15 minutes to just go and you know, capture their thoughts and, and get back to a, a sound place or even take half a day off is that they're not going to be judged for it. They're not going to be kind of penalized for doing that. And I'm not saying mm. that's the case. I'm just saying sometimes people do feel that way. Mm. Um, and that internally the conversation is open and that people respect the fact everybody's situation is different. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Ed, is there anything you'd want to add? Just, yeah, echoing Ryan's thoughts. I just, I guess from more of a senior management position in terms of, of if you're managing like a group, uh, a team um, of how many individuals, it's just ensuring that again, they're not, they're not doing things in terms of like late nights, working extended hours and stuff like that and just completely like destroying themselves based on, you know, if you notice late emails, if you notice late chat things, if I mean, if they're comfortable and, and, and maybe I would always actively try and disencourage, you know, doing that, that thing. If you need to send an email, delay it, schedule it, draft it up the next day and stuff like that. But actively making sure that people have, you know, time off are able to reset and just make sure that they're, yeah, work isn't forcing the being forced into their their personal life outside of the hours of you know weekends and stuff like that. making sure that they're you know going away for refreshed and things like that but that's yeah that's just my opinion and just something that i'd always encourage you know managers to not to obviously be invasive with but just be a little bit of aware and you know if, if you are noticing people are working late or sending emails late and stuff like that it may be worth just seeing if they they need any help with their work or if reducing or anything like that that would be i guess my recommendation yeah and modeling that as a if you're in a more yes. senior position as well like you you can't it's all well and good telling people not to take work yes. home or or take it outside of working hours i suppose to use pandemic remote remote language but like if you are then sending emails at 8 p.m or yes. on a sunday or something then that almost uh, that gets a bit more unspoken expectation um so yeah. i think that is very very important that you kind of practice what you preach if that's the route you want to go down mm-hmm. um Let's let's talk about um, people's kind of personal work life as well. So things anyone could do, uh, regardless of their position in a company, uh, and this can be coming from your own experience of things that have helped you as well. So, what are some practices that you can put into your own working life, your own habits at work um, that will that will help kind of make things more manageable and and kind of put you in a healthier position? Again, I'll start with you, Ryan. Um, okay, so for me, obviously, this is just personal opinion. Yeah, um, of course. The things that I found that worked the best, um, there's a few things. If you haven't tried the Headspace app, I highly recommend it. Um, it's probably he, this the guy who does the, the narration behind it has probably one of the most soothing voices I've ever heard, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, if you feel stressed, it, you know, you wake up in the morning and you feel stressed, 
pop that on for 10, 15 minutes and just interrupt that, that train of thought. Mm. Um, it definitely helped me. Um, I do, I, I exercise almost daily. If I can't go to the gym, then I'll go for a walk and just kind of, you know, get some vitamin D. Yeah. If it's not obviously horrendously raining in, in England. <laughs> um, but getting outside as soon as you can in the morning and just being outside in general, especially if you're working from home, you can oftentimes find yourself trapped in your, you know, your office, uh, mm. glued to your computer screen. Um, so the headspace, the exercise. And I also, you know, I'm not afraid to admit this is that I started to uh, use a thing called, it's called a five minute journal. Oh, yeah. And every morning and every evening, I'll write down five things that I'm either thankful for, for today. And at the end of the day, I'll do the exact same thing. So even if they're little tiny things, like if you didn't feel like getting out of bed, but you did, I'd record it. Mm. Or you had a great call with a client, I'd record it. And when you reflect on seven days worth of that, it can feel like a real confidence booster. Um, yeah. And it definitely helps to just realize that even if you have negative thoughts, a lot of the time there's still periods in your life where you have positivity and you have things to celebrate and you have things to talk about with your friends and family that are all good things. And I would say the more any good thing that you can find, no matter how big or how small, celebrate it and take that win wherever you can that's that's awesome that's great advice um, amazing yeah yeah ed have you got anything that works for you um very similar to to ryan in terms of getting outside and exercise helps me a lot but um the biggest thing uh, two things for me is when i wake up in the morning I, I i had the bad habit of just showering and then getting straight to the office chair i now just allow myself time to shower you know make a coffee, chill out for a bit, play with my cat and stuff like that. Just a nice wholesome routine in the morning yeah. helps me, you know, um, learn a few things, like browse a, a few of my favorite blogs, websites and stuff like that, engage a little bit, just get the mind working. Another thing that I struggle with is when I, well, previously the way I used to work is that I start the day and lunch is my only break really, like between mm. that 12 or one period. What I'm helped recently is just actively encouraging like breaks throughout my day and just getting away from like the like my computer, my mobile and stuff like that. So what helps me is the it's a probably to pronounce it, but that Pomodoro timer, which basically yeah. allows me just to focus just on tasks. It, you have a five minute break every, I think, 25 minutes, but then after that you get I think a 15, 20 minute break. But that just basically means that I it allows me to focus on tasks I know I need to do. And then that actively encourages breaks throughout the day where, again, you can just go away from a computer, do something that's, you know, separate to that, and then just come back a lot more revitalized. I just don't think humans are designed to work nonstop from nine to five or nine to six. I think if you do that on a long-term basis, you're really struggling. That would just be, you know, quite, it would just be like kind of self-sabotage. I think actively encouraging breaks, getting out there is just, it helps you and makes your day a lot more easier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think something I'll just add to all of that, you mentioned it earlier, but you you uh, recommended Notion to me and to the, well, to the whole department, I think. And I started using that. It's just like a free um, kind of really life planning tool that can do all sorts. But I use it for the to-do list that it has. Um, and that made a massive difference to me during lockdown because I was finding it very hard to keep track of everything I was doing. I had multiple notebooks. I had notes in different places in my laptop and it just was not working. Um, and I was like finding myself missing things or then stressing out because I was too close to a deadline or something. But 
um, notion for me has just really worked. So I, I highly recommend if that is something, as you touched on earlier, Ed, if organization is kind of a source of additional um, stress or anxiety, then then I'd recommend trying Notion, but finding a tool, kind of like a single tool that keeps everything in one place, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. uh, I, I personally find really helpful. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention before we, before we get to the end of this podcast is um, another thing for businesses to look into or for you, if you feel comfortable to sort of recommend to your business is to look into uh, a mental health first aid course for your workplace. Um, which is something that we've run a couple of times at Impression now. I think we've done it through the St. John's Ambulance. Um, but it's sort of a, it, it's a course from Mental Health First Aid England, I believe. I'm getting the organization right. I'll put a link in the, uh, in the blog post that goes with this podcast to make sure you get the proper details. Um, but that's a short course you can do for a day, or I think there's a two-day version, um, which essentially trains people to be mental health first aiders in the same way that you would have physical health first aiders. So it's basically training people to uh, respond to uh, crises in the most effective way and kind of make, you know, make it possible to then get the right people involved to then signpost people to the NHS um, or get whatever other services are needed. And also just equip people with some kind of reliable advice that they can give or, or other kind of sites and organizations to signpost people to. Um, I think it's a fantastic organization to have. Uh, I have done the course and found it incredibly helpful just as, as an education, um, but also to then equip me better for, for conversations I've had since. Um, and I think it just, it shows as a business that you are kind of committed to doing things, you know, properly uh, and really equipping people with the knowledge to help the whole of your sort of workforce when it comes to mental health challenges that they might be facing. Um, so yeah, that is something I would really recommend. And once again, I will put a link to that in the blog post that goes with this podcast um, and in the show notes to make sure that you can access that if that's something that it sounds interesting. Um, we're coming towards the end of the time. So uh, Ryan, any, any kind of closing thoughts from you? Is there anything you haven't had the chance to say that you would want to on this topic or is, is that everything you'd want to cover for now? I guess just one kind of part in comment is that anybody who is considering or struggling with, with any kind of mental health issue, no matter how big no, or small, um, is that just give yourself, um, be lenient on yourself, be kind to yourself when you're working through some of these things. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to a point where I felt comfortable enough to talk about it and feel comfortable enough that I was managing what was going on. So be prepared to get things wrong, but don't take it as a sign of I'm failing at whatever it is that you're doing. Being able to be kind to yourself is is hugely, uh, it's about trial and error. Mm. So if you can take anything away from this, it's just be kind to yourself, give yourself time to, to learn and, and get better. And I promise you over, you know, however long it takes, once you finally get to that finish line, it will be worth all of the, all of the struggling and all of the effort you put into making yourself as, as healthy as you can be. Fantastic. Thank you, Ryan. That's awesome. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Uh, We've massively appreciated it and um, very, very thankful for you for kind of putting this conversation out there as well. Um, but before we, before we let you go, just want to give you a chance to uh, let people know where to find you. Uh, and if there's anything you've got going on at the moment that you'd want to share before we finish. Yeah, sure. So if you are on Twitter, um, it's search for Ryan. Um, LinkedIn, it's just Ryan Durrani. And um, in terms of projects, I don't really have anything too exciting to talk about right now, 
but have this conversation with me at the start of 2022 and it might be a different answer. <laughs> awesome. Um, and what's your, if there's anyone listening who happens to be interested in your, your freelance work as well, what's your website for that? It's ryandarani.com. Perfect. That's easy to remember. <laughs> uh, we will also, we'll also drop a link to that in the blog post awesome. as well. So find you. Um, but that will be everything that we've got time for today. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on. Thank you, Ed, for sharing your thoughts as well. It's been great to get a few different perspectives on this topic. Um, and we will be back in a couple of weeks time with more, uh, I say more on page SEO content. That's what I've got in my notes, but actually it's another topic. Um, we have lined up next for sort of the wider industry about career progression in SEO. Um, so tune into that if that's something you're interested in. Um, but we're excited to, to be able to continue to bring uh, a voice of right. Uh, can't speak. Show notes, can't do them at the end. <laughs> ah, here we go. One more time. We're excited to continue to bring you a variety of voices from within the SEO industry in 2021. Um, and in the meantime, we would massively appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. While we're really getting off the ground, it makes a difference. I still can't read my notes. I do this every time. Uh, Ed, I'm happy for you to leave this in the edit because, you know, people, people need to see the reality of it. Exactly. I'm, just, I'm trying to read from a page and I just can't do it. Uh, I'll carry on. Plow on. You can find me and Ed on Twitter as well at Ben J. Gary with two R's and Ed JTW with two D's. Um, and you can also see all of the episodes for the podcast. You can see everything that Impression has going on over at impression.co.uk slash blog. That's not just SEO, that's PPC, digital PR, everything else that we're doing. Um, and as always, we want to signpost you towards womenintechseo.com slash speakers if you are looking for more people uh, who are talking and writing about these kind of topics. Uh, and also, actually, as a, as a community, if you are a woman in, in, in SEO, then Women in Tech SEO is one of those communities which we were speaking about earlier on in the podcast. And that'll do it for this episode. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for your next installment of On Page Conversation. Bye for now. <laughs>